When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kane and Bucks. Happy Monday to you all. We are locked and loaded for a huge edition of SEN Breakfast. The McCafe menu is stacked. David Teague, Rich, Richmond assistant coach, is going to join us after the Tigers got it done in their first hit out. Seven quarters, uh, if you don't mind. But for the real stuff, uh, Richmond came out on top. So a lot of positives to take out. Some questions. We'll speak to Teague about that. Now, Rob Old is the AFL Executive General Manager of Game Development. The AFL set to spend a billion dollars across the next decade in an effort to fast-track more people signing up to play footy. What are the details of that, and what does it mean for you and your community club? Well, Rob will tell us that after 8 o'clock. Your calls, as always, you can get involved whenever you like. one 736 736 Plenty of footy news around the place and questions without notice. The Collingwood champion, the Brownlow medalist, the Norm Smith medalist, the Australian Football Hall of Famer, and... The biggest Taylor Swift fan <laughs> in Melbourne is alongside of me, the wizard Nathan Buckley. Bucks, good morning. Good morning, Kano. Thanks for that intro. It was uh, it was this pretty is unbelievable. amazing. Well, I, I I want an investigation. Yeah, I want to. You, you can ask every, whatever you un- want. Great. So, Are you, did you say a million or a billion? A billion. It says here a billion dollars into yeah. grassroots footy over yep. the next ten years. That's it. Good. Good. Well, we'll Constructing get to that. We'll get new to ovals, that. facilities, increasing capacities, modified versions of the game to attract new markets, boosting women's participation, retaining juniors from the age of six to ten, helping regional clubs. There's a whole hope, a heap of yeah. uh, dot points on this. Now, Rob will be able to expand on this. it. Look, it's that ambitious. Would be, that would be music to the ears of yeah. of dads and now mums all across the country because uh, the junior footy ranks and even finding grounds is difficult to do at the moment with the advent of women's footy and the girls playing now at, uh, at junior leagues. It's, um, I mean, I'm not sure how it feels over in Adelaide, but um, mm. in the inner city of Melbourne, which, you know, which is what I've been exposed to, trying to find ovals and training space through the week. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to speaking to Rob about that and their plans in that next 10 years. And even bigger in the northern states as well, um, Western Sydney, Sydney, um, how many footy ovals, not enough. So uh, what are the challenges you're finding at your local clubs? We'll give you the opportunity to uh, have your say on that before we speak to Rob and um, you can put some questions to us as well and we'll do our best to, to put that to, to the man who is uh, behind this initiative with the AFL. Now the I important said you're a stuff. wizard. Now the important... Look, I'm, a, I'm 800 kilometres away observing... I've never seen anything like it, and I, I love it. Like, I love this. What, what There's been a bit of pushback on t- what's the big deal. Like, rather, that, that's for people who weren't there, clearly. That, that's yeah. for jealous people who didn't go. That, that's my – look, I'm not a Taylor Swift. Swift Neither am I. But I would have loved to have gone and witnessed that because it just looked amazing. But, it was. So we'll get to that shortly, but I want to deep dive into – because this time last <laughs> week, you said this. Are you, are you going to a concert in Melbourne? No. Or what? No. 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 
No, Broads is a massive fan of Taylor Swift. I haven't been yeah. able to swing her a ticket yet. So if anyone's got one going on. <laughs> and then that afternoon, I'm pretty sure you had a couple of tickets in your hot Look, little handbox. I, that, that was all part of a big ruse. It was Valentine's <laughs> Day on Wednesday. I was, I was, oh, I'd gone along. I'd gone along. Give me that. I'd gone along for weeks with Broads, telling her that we're no chance. Like she'd even stopped talking about it. She was talking about it when the tickets first came out months ago, and I just went dormant on it. And it was a no, and it was a no chance. And 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 then I I flicked something out on Monday afternoon to say whilst the Super Bowl was on, just said, look, has anyone's got any. Any any Taylor Swift tickets? I'm asking for a friend, and then tag Brody in on it, and then yeah, the tickets, you know, were produced on the Wednesday. So, so you're telling us <laughs> and our audience, who are very clever, that this was a ruse. This, this was absolutely, you, absolutely. This was deception. It's called you ro- had tickets all along. It's called romance, Kane. No, the, the poor people. No, who I didn't secure them until late. Who were scrambling <laughs> to get Nathan Buckley tickets after listening to us and then seeing his I social media posts? I got hit up posts. so much. Hey, oh, don't you? worry, the poor people. There was oh. a lot of there was a lot of second the the secondary yeah. ticket market was hot, <laughs> and after I sent the after I sent a uh, a story out an Instagram post out, I got hit up plenty, and it, they ranged from four hundred bucks through to one and a half. Mm. Grand, like mm. for per ticket, it was, and and the Uber driver that took us in on on the Saturday said, um, "Did you did you buy your tickets?" So yeah, and he go he goes, "I said, did you get one?" He goes, "Yes, sixty nine dollars," and I said, yeah. "And uh, and he was that proud to say that he sold that for four hundred." So he went, <laughs> <laughs> so he so so I reckon there's a whole heap of people. This is one of the issues. If it's a hot ticket. You can now, you go and you do the hard yards to get a ticket in your hand with the intent Mm. of selling it off on the secondary ticket market. Well, tell me about it. Oh, look, it was. I was very jealous. Cop cop three days of it. Felt like everyone I knew went and it looked absolutely spectacular. It was. And that's exactly what it was. Like, I I don't know the music other than, like, you, you hear... Yeah, maybe one one album mm. or one song from her album every five minutes. It would seem if you're listening to mainstream radio. Um, so that I'll know those main sort of hits, but I don't know any of the songs underneath. Um, Brody's um, a country music fan from way back, so had has followed her since then. Yeah, and they just think she, like they being the Swifties just yeah. see her as the bomb. She's living the dream. She's a costume change every 20 minutes, 43 songs over three and a half hours, 96,000 people at the MCG. She rocked it. She looked comfortable. She's talented. The show was slick. I just sat there and I was impressed that they were able to pull such a thing together. And I'm sitting next, I'm actually sitting next to young um, Miller McIntosh, um, Steph McIntosh, who used to be on Neighbours, who was a blast from the past. I'd met her sort of hadn't seen her for 15 years and known her for a couple of years sort of that long ago. Uh, and her daughter was there, Miller, and she was crying and singing and, like, I, I was immersed around it. Mm. I reckon it felt like I was the only bloke in about, you know, the 100 people I could see around me. But no, there was plenty of blokes there, don't worry. It was uh, – it was – it was amazing, and I and and to do that three three nights in a row. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Full house, Phys- physically, yeah. She she must be uh, extraordinary. Like she must be a serious athlete to to back up and do that. Do you reckon and ice bring... bars and 
hydration oh, in between. Oh, You'd need everything. Oh, yeah, you? she's de- definitely. I mean, she wouldn't be short of resources to well, recover. Well, the AV, like the, obviously the like that's all it is, sound and and lights, and and it was done really well. Like the, it's produced within an inch of its life, and it's it's slick as and and she, and her voice does a lot of it, and. and yeah, there's some dancers around that provide the energy, mm. and she mm. she chimes in at the right time. You never felt like she'd lost she'd lost a beat, but yeah, to be able to and clearly, and I think you see this with the great performers, they they are in their element. She was in her element, being mm. the centre of attention, and being able to perform and sing her truth, and connect with the people, and having the lyrics sung back here. You can only imagine how that must feel when. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere, in your own bedroom, on your own, you're writing these lyrics and you're sort of putting some chords together and then all of a sudden you've got 96,000 people mm. in a foreign country to you singing your songs back here. That must be amazing. Absolutely crazy. I, I know we're a largely footy show and a sports show and there's plenty of that which we'll get to, but uh, I was captivated by it. Did you, did you head along? Did you get caught up in it? Um, the, the coverage in the Herald Sun, it felt like 10 pages every day. Even today, there's you know, lift outs and pages and posters and the merch. Uh, Lucy had to go to Melbourne for, for work last night. I dropped her to the airport and there were Swifties everywhere in Adelaide, like obviously mm. going to Sydney or coming back from Melbourne. The lineup for the merch I was reading online like a couple of hours long. It's, it's an absolute juggernaut to the likes of nothing that I have ever seen in in pop culture. And if you're lucky enough to be there, you know it's the MCG. And Bucks has had some big moments on the MCG in front of ninety thousand plenty of times. Anzac Day Grand Finals, big prelim finals. But Dad, I mean, Dad sent me a text and said, "How's it going?" I said, um, "It's quarter time. She's had nine. Kicked a goal." <laughs> She started well. She's a bit quiet in the second quarter, but she really finished strong in the second half. It was impressive. <laughs> she was best on by more. So tell us about it. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Are you have you started to switch on into sort of work footy mode? Bucks. It's, it, I must admit it's come around quickly. I, I watched a fair bit of Port Adelaide's intra club game on Friday night. Then I watched you know may, maybe fifty sixty percent of yesterday's game that seemed to go on forever didn't it with seven quarters but for for the serious stuff of the first three quarters i was i was sort of glued and taking notes are you are you back in footy mode do you I'm, think i'm looking forward to this season more than any i can remember definitely since being out Why? um i don't know i think i've had uh, the the off season i've i've actually taken the time to get right away from it I think it's I think it's a fast, it's going to stack up as a fascinating season. We've got plenty of time to talk about it, you know, as we head into um, opening round, uh, and then and then obviously it's a long season. So there's going to be a lot of ebbs and flows this year. But when you look at the every nearly every club's got its bona fides. There's not that many. When I and you've I've been asked this week to make predictions, and obviously they'll go in publications, mm-hmm. and I still haven't completed them. But it's that hard. Like okay, so bottom four. I, I think that you could pick it. You could pick a side that you feel like you need to say you need to find a third or fourth side that's going to finish in the bottom four. They could finish easily finish in the top eight if they get the right run and they get right run with injury and their best players play well. Definitely. So I think it's that kind of year. So the gap between you know maybe the sixth place team and the fifteenth place team has diminished year on year over the last decade. And I think this year looks like it's it's as um, it's close as it's sort of ever been. You could pick Fremantle to finish bottom four and most people would go, Okay, that's that's okay. I'm not I'm not offended by that. 
And they could easily play for them. 18 months ago, they were at the top of the ladder with the best defensive profile that anyone had ever seen. And that's yeah. Ross Lyon coach teams. Like they were, they were only allowing scores from turnover at one in every 10, which is, which is better than double the, the competition average usually. So that was only 18 months ago. And they haven't lost that much since then. They've lost some, but they haven't lost that much. So, yeah, every, every club's got its, got its bona fides. They've got its reasons. Like reading Brad Scott's article around Essendon, and, and I think they're an interesting case study. Um, how much yeah, do the four players that they've brought in impact for them straight away? And that's hard to do because shared experience counts mm. for something. Um, but yeah, it's um, but not, then I, I watched um, Sam Durham was was mic'd up and he was doing the two K time trial and I thought gee, the energy in their training was actually really good and and Mason Redman was was and he finished at the front of the the two K and it looked really mm. good and I thought wow you know maybe maybe they're going to come through you you don't know until you know and even when we're six rounds in there's still a long way to go. Who are the teams that you could easily pick to finish bottom four and your, your mate at work or at the pub wouldn't sort of scoff at you for selecting them that could still play for? Like the Bombers is a good one. Geelong, could, could Geelong drop right off and finish bottom four or could they play finals? I don't think either of, either of us would be surprised at uh, either scenario there. So that's why we're looking forward to the season. It's tight. Uh, we had the Port Adelaide Hall of Fame on Thursday night, which I spoke about on Friday with, with Kingy and then we caught up on Friday morning at a at a breakfast box and a lot of those people are still involved in footy. You know, we've got Brendan Laid, who's at the Bulldogs and Jared Schofield's at, at West Coast and Kari's at Port Adelaide, Chad's at Port Adelaide. Um, you know, Dimmer and Dimmer's not there, but a lot of people at Brett Montgomery's mm. at the Giants and just having a discussion about how their clubs are going. Like West Coast are pretty confident with the preseason mm. that they have had. Now they're not talking finals, but they're definitely not talking two wins and last again with the preseason they've had and their senior players up and going. So that is why it is fascinating. Is the buck stops here back this morning? We got, yep, we got, yep. We've got, got a couple of bucks. Got how, many, three, how many bucks we got? Three items out of, out of seven that I want to hit. Right. And they're clubs that we that I didn't hit last week. So trying to share share that around a little bit. But one thing, one thing with a question without notice that I'll throw on you early. And I asked Kingy this, and I, I would, wouldn't mind the listeners to consider this. When, when you look across... Because King and I sat and watched the Hawthorne um, Pracky match on Thursday, and a bit happened there with injuries, mm, and that shows mm, you how carnage. difficult it can be. Um, and then watching the game on Saturday, I asked King when we were like about last quarter of that that Pracky match. I said, "How across? He's watched a lot of footy across all of the clubs. What percentage of their game plan or the game itself is the same?" And he he came back with around he came back with around fifty percent. Oh, the, the 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 game like that the that what Each clubs club are trying to do same. is about the same. Is about yep. fifty. I reckon it's closer to eighty eighty five. Oh yeah, yeah. And I and it's because the game is a pretty simple game. It's yeah, kicks, marks, handballs, do the basics well, uh, and in the end, the best teams are the are the teams that do that better than better well, than the a, others. It's, yeah, it's a good point because and then what the the poorer teams do is they look at what the best teams do well and they've got all the stats and all the information and all the numbers and all the KPIs and then they go, "Well, they're doing that and they're the best. We need to get our game style to look like that." Even Adam Simpson spoke yesterday the West Coast the Eagles put that up online after quarter time of their intra club. He says, um, "We want to be predictable, but we don't want to be slow." 
with, yeah. the, with their boys. So they're not going to they're not going to play kick mark anymore. They're, they're going to be more long down the line. They're going to be less switch. They're going to be contest based. They're going to be turnover based. Yeah. So they're right at the bottom, and they're looking at what GWS and what Collingwood have done, and they're going. That's where we need to get to. And that's the style we need to play. So, but there are some you know, lists that aren't ready that, that aren't no. ready to do that yet. So they might be practicing the right way. And I mean, Clarko's famously done this at Hawthorne. And he might he he might feel that he's now so getting his North Melbourne list to play the way that he thinks, and he says this is going to win flags for them. Now mm. that that doesn't necessarily mean twenty twenty four, and it doesn't necessarily mean playing the type of football that is winning premierships now. He's sort of thinking in three or four years' time, he's got a young list that he can build towards that. But I think, do you put a man up at the stoppage or do you hold six? Do you kick to contest or do you want possession? Mm. Do your forwards roll back or do they hold um, hold in their, in their spots? There's not a lot else that you do differently. It's just the players knowing intimately what you're trying to achieve as a team and having the right bodies in the right places at the right time, both defensively and offensively. The, the, the fourth one I'd add to that is: Do you go man on man when you defend, or do you zone? Outside yep. of that, I reckon that, and I reckon and that most takes of them a, are zoning now. Most of them. Are. Well, I see. I, I'm I'm seeing a little bit more man on man come back into the game, which is interesting. We'll ask David Teague about that. The Richmond assistant coach has uh, got a long history in the game and, and a lot of knowledge, so he'll give us his thoughts on that. Rob Old's going to join us. The AFL spending a truckload of money in community football, which is good news to you. We're up and running SEM Breakfast. You can book online for the best rates at melbourneairport.com.au. Their parking is very convenient. And we're also powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. If you want to have your say, a one 736 736 And off the temper text, a lot of Swifties. We'll get to that next. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop, to the it is Kane and Bucks. Big McCafe menu coming your way. A lot of texts coming through this morning and a big reaction to the AFL spending a billion dollars across the next uh, decade in an effort to get more people playing footy. A few sceptics out there, though. Guys, the AFL investing a billion in developing footy is pure spin. Having played and having my kids play, I've never seen a brass razoo come to the club. Um... That's from the uh, from the AFL, he says. That's from Big Al. Um, good morning, boys. Now that Brad Scott has had a proper off slash preseason at the Bombers, how much of a difference would it have made in terms of player development, etc., says Chris. Well, he did a terrific article in The Age with Jake Nile, and he was speaking strong language about standards and the fact that clearly Bucks' standards were not good enough in terms of players living an elite lifestyle and... Um, he's adamant and confident that that has changed through their actions, but he's saying essentially, you know, players will behave themselves out of the place if if they don't live the elite lifestyle. Can you change it in twelve months? You can definitely have an impact, and and you've got to hit your wagon to something um, as a coach. And I think that you know, development has always been a really strong element of of Brad's coaching philosophy, and obviously the elite standards that underpin. Um, the same. I, yeah, he he was a development coach and head of development um, at Collingwood when Scott Pendlebury first came in, and he used he used Pendles a lot as um, as an example to his North Melbourne players in his first iteration as a coach. And I, I've got no doubt that that he'll be really strong on that. And and they're they're young men, they're malleable um, 
um, young men who mm. need to be educated around how to get the best out of their playing careers. I think the best thing is to have a really professional teammate that shows you the way and that lives the, the way that and, and shows you what to aspire to. But, um, yeah, you need a coach and a, a coaching group that are prepared to set that up. So that's the, that's the, the unknown how much difference can be made and is it sustainable and can you get enough momentum to see a team? And we generally see one team go from bottom four to top four every year. And, yeah. You know, not saying the Essendon were bottom four, but their last couple of games weren't impressive and it gave them plenty of ammunition for the off-season. I agree. The gap between sixth and 15th is tiny, but anyone who thinks Geelong will be bottom four is delusional. Yeah, I don't think Geelong will be bottom four, but I wouldn't, like if I was... What was next the over to under? At, uh, it was eleven and a half. Mm. Um, but if I was next to someone at a cafe and they said, "Oh, do you reckon? I reckon the cats like a couple of injuries. If things go wrong for them with their age, that, that, I reckon they're going to finish bottom four. I wouldn't like scoff at them. I'd say, okay, I don't agree, but mm. I wouldn't be offended. I wouldn't be offended by that. And there's probably a lot of teams uh, in that category. Last one on Taylor Swift. I took my thirteen and eleven year old daughters to see Taylor Swift on Saturday night. I absolutely love the atmosphere. So positive with outfit compliments flying everywhere. Friendship plate bracelets being exchanged between younger and older fans. And that was before the concert even began. My 13-year-old didn't sing one song. She screamed them all. We have all the feels. Mum, I'm going to vomit. Mum, I can't breathe. Mum, I've yelled too much. Mum, I have a headache. And my 11-year-old just adored it. A wonderful role model for my young girls. I think Spot that text on. sums it up. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I was sitting in the middle of. And if it wasn't a mum with their with her daughters, it was a dad with their daughters. And um, it, the, the, the idea of being an optimistic, positive environment where everyone felt like they were free to you know, express themselves, that's exactly the way it was. So it is. That, that, that is pretty have... empowering. A couple of friendship bracelets on. I did, I did. Did you? Yeah, I had f- I had four. So how does that work? How, where do they come from? Where I, would you so go buy them? Coxie walked in. Coxie walked in with about twenty on each arm. Mason Cox. Yeah. So he he handed he he handed me over. He goes grab some, grab some from up here. So I grabbed three of them and I had three on. And walking to and from the bar a couple of times in the evening. Um, I was fist bumping a couple of the young girls that were sort <laughs> yeah. of going nuts there. And one of them, as I was coming back about halfway through the show, offered me one of her friendship bracelets. So that went on the wrist as well. So I ended up with four. And um, oh, look, it was – and, I, and I, was, I, was, I was on the unders. I reckon over-unders on uh, bracelets, I reckon, was about 15 and a half on each arm. <laughs> I saw Jake Lever and Mason Cox. I think Lever had these uh, Love Heart sunglasses on or something. It's just what, what she's done to grown men is extraordinary. So last last one. Said that a couple of times. But you two at the Sphere in Vegas? Yeah. Or Taylor Swift at the G? Oh, no, no. No, no. I, the Sphere is just so far away. Like, that That was that. Oh, I, that was special. Right. Look, uh, recency bias, you... you Oh, and just just sheer enormity, like ninety six thousand people. I, I've, I was in the second level of the MCG, and and I was it was jumping up and down. I've never felt that before. Like I've been on the field when it feels like the stands are going to cave in, but not in the stands like that. It was yeah, it was it was so swift over you too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I w- no, well, you hey, you too, you too. 
clearly my my one of my favourite artists of all time. Yeah. But in terms of the 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 night, the experience, and the event, I'd have to say that you know her production was pretty special, even even above you two at the Sphere. All right, that, big that call, isn't the, it? That may be the topic of our Twitter <laughs> poll this morning. Would you rather see Taylor Swift at the G or you you two at the Sphere in Vegas? We're rambling our way through the morning. Food <laughs> cop from the state, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil grown, harvested and first cold pressed in northern Victoria. Be back after the news headlines. A sports update for Keza. Sitting on the sidelines? Get back in the game with Keezer Physiotherapy, Rehabilitation and Strength Training. Yeah, the sports update is for Keezer. Sitting on the sidelines, get back in the game with Keezer Physiotherapy, Rehabilitation and Strength Training. Good to see Clayton Oliver back yesterday, Bucks. And um, look, he didn't miss a beat. He played three quarters of the match simulation. Uh, had a lot of the footy, kicked an unbelievable left foot goal on the boundary line. Um, and... His teammates looked happy for him to be out there. It's a bit bit earlier than what I would have expected. Some players, and we touched on this last week with Jake Stringer, and you mentioned Dane Swan, regardless of their preparation, as soon as they cross the line, there's a football there, and they just know how to play well. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we don't know about the Clayton situation, Um, and I think it does get sensationalised when things pop through here and there. So when you see him back on the football field, that's that's his... yeah, happy place. It's where he's most comfortable and that's where he's most skilled. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he looked like he hadn't missed a beat. We don't know how long that he's been managing something personally for the last, you know, in his elite um, six, seven, eight-year career. He's been consistently brilliant. So it was great to see him out and we'll, um, you know, we'll learn more as it goes along. In that game, the first four periods of match simulation, Richmond ended up getting the better of, of Melbourne kicking uh, you know, 10 goals in a row at one point. Through the second quarter, Shea Bolton was huge, kicked a couple and ended up with four, and, and Noah Bolter kicked three goals as a um, as a forward and looked like uh, he and Kaczynski, the new recruit, um, in the absence of Tom Lynch, um, did pretty well as tall forwards. Provided something. If you were there, if you had a look at that game or if you watched on KO yesterday, let us know your thoughts on that, Melbourne. Or Tigers fans, Will Pekofsky, this is great, made his first Sheffield Shield century since 2020 at the SCG yesterday. He brought up the milestone off 258 balls, was eventually dismissed by the GOAT Nathan Lyon for 131, uh, and he returned to the, the Victoria 11 after recovering from an 11th concussion late last year. So that's great. At the end of the day, New South Wales, uh, at the end of day three, I should say, New South Wales are three for 40. They are trailing by 162 runs. Just whilst we're still on cricket, did you see England get absolutely spanked by nope. India yesterday? Oh, my goodness. India won by 434 runs. Watched it a little bit of this yesterday afternoon. So... Um, they were bowled out in their second innings for 122. They needed a, a, over 550 to win. Mm. So this whole uh, attitude around English cricket, and I'm so sick of baseball, but that word, is it dead? Um, and what does it do to the psyche when you get absolutely... Like some of the Indian batsmen yesterday were just... They were mocking the England bowlers mm. and they were hitting like six, six, four. Six four four. It was just yeah. That sounds like baseball. Getting thrown back in reverse. In reverse. Never seen anything like it. So 
Um, there was a lot of people smiling at that result. Not that we love India doing well either, but we love India doing well over England doing well. So that was interesting. If you watched it, let us know. It was. Now, last Thursday, the Hawks had a pracky match, lost a couple, um, but there's a silver lining for a young VFL uh, key defender, Ethan Phillips, who has been elevated uh, to the Hawks list after James Blank went down with it, an ACL injury in that game. The Hawks will officially signing him up today. I was sat with Sam Mitchell towards the end of that game, and he said that it was mm. likely that Blank had done an ACL. Mm. I said, "Who's the um, who's the Albino guy in the in the on the um, B team?" And it was it was it was Ethan Phillips. He'd actually played well, performed well. He's twenty four years old. Had been at Port Melbourne, uh, has come across to Box Hill, and um, yeah, just right place, right time. But it takes a lot of work to be in that place, and he played well to earn his mm. earn his um, rise. Yeah, the value of a key defender has never been higher. And uh, Brad Scott spoke about that in the age with with Jake Nile about the recruitment of of Ben Mackay and uh, why he is more valuable to to Essendon than perhaps some other teams for the role that uh, he will play. And we saw that with with Radagalia and Zerk Thatcher and everyone scampering for key defenders, and and that's been solidified with a few big uh, off season or pre season injuries. Uh, not great to see Alex Volkanovsky. Uh, get knocked out yesterday in brutal fashion. He's demanded a rematch. Um, I would advise him against that, Bucks, if I was in his corner. And, and time is probably up for, for one of the greatest UFC fighters ever. But not good when you see the end of the career um, start to, to end like this. It gets pretty well, he, grim. He was actually up when uh, before copping that, that, that knock. I thought he, he looked like he was uh, in good shape. But that, uh, those... The one-off hits are the ones that are the finishing um, those UFC fights more and more. The Melbourne Mavericks had a cruel start to the season yesterday with goal shooter Sasha Glasgow fracturing her lower leg in a practice match on Saturday night. Glasgow has since had surgery, and we wish her all the best. We do. Um, the NBA, sorry, the NBL finals will tip off on Wednesday. That's Feb 28. So the Jack Jumpers are going to take on the Illawarra Hawks, and the Sydney Kings are up against the Breakers. The league has a week off due to FIBA-sanctioned international matches this week. So that means both Melbourne and Perth are going to have to wait nearly three weeks between their matches at the end of the home and away season and their first final. So I wouldn't think that's ideal. And, I mean, the NBL has been flying. It's like the AFL. Teams are so close. And it wouldn't surprise you if any of those teams that are qualified for finals go all the way through. And those that keep playing, like Tassie and Illawarra, probably have a better preparation Mm. than... Melbourne and Perth sitting and waiting for three weeks. Agree, mate. And in women's cricket, Australia beat South Africa by an innings and 284 runs. So that's not quite 450, but it's a fair bit uh, at the Wacker over the weekend. Annabelle Sutherland became the first woman to take five wickets and score a double century in a test. That's a fair That's a fair game. That's well a done. good day out. That is a good day out. Yeah, unwind as you wander and set sail with the spirit of Tasmania from just $69 conditions apply. You're with Kane and Bucks. On the other side of this, we've got lines available. You will get straight through. Uh, jump on the phone if you want to speak about anything relating to sport. You can do that with us next. Kane and Yeah, look, obviously it's great for Clayton. He's been back in the program for a couple of weeks now and he's been through a fair bit over this summer. Um, so I think for him, being able to get through three quarters, he took a pretty big hit there at one stage. Uh, but you could see the class um, that he does bring. So um, we're excited to have him back in the program now and really looking forward to 
the next few weeks and hopefully playing some good footy for us for the rest of the season. Yeah, that was Melbourne assistant Troy Chaplin speaking on Clayton Oliver's return yesterday in the practice match. As we said in the news update, played three quarters, looked good, kicked an unbelievable left foot goal. But then this was interesting because he was asked about what the process is for Clayton to get back and playing in the real stuff. A little bit out of my hands, but um, look, I'd assume that he'll probably play some more minutes against Carlton, but that process will be a club process and an AFL one as well. And probably Goody and Richo will work closely um, with those, uh, with the AFL and, and what that looks like. Uh, but it was just great to see him perform and, and play well. It doesn't look like he's Mr. Beat. He's trained extremely hard when he's been away from the group. So he's put himself in a good condition to still be able to perform uh, once the season starts. Now, I may have missed the process, Bucks, but why the AFL involved? This is where the, um, the murky underworld of the illicit drugs policy kicks in, I would have thought, Kana, without knowing um, if the AFL are involved, then there doesn't necessarily have to be a strike or two because that would often be um, communicated, but it might be... Um, a hand up, a declared, a declared situation where Clayton has said that, um, you know, I'm going to test positive here and you don't actually get a strike, you go into a program. I'm, that's my understanding of the, the way the policy has worked. And I think we, we got it wrong at the beginning. It was, we thought it was going to catch players out and expose them and we were going to get someone with three strikes. But the, the policy was always intended that I came to know as a, as a welfare mm. um, program and to support the players that were... Not the one-offs, but the ones that might have been uh, creating habits and then trying to help them through that. And maybe, maybe the AFL are involved in that. I don't have any information mm. to confirm or deny that, but it, it makes sense that the club and the AFL would be working together with Clayton to help him through his issues. Yeah, probably needs further explanation from the club. I, I would the have AFL, thought, I would have pre- thought. Yeah, and, and, the, and the AFL, absolutely, because that's the first time that, I've heard the AFL being involved in in the Clayton Oliver situation. Of course, they're they're in the background and they're being briefed on on everything that is going on. But for them to have to give Clay, clearance for Clayton to play again, I mm. think that would be news to certainly news to me. It'd be news to a lot of Melbourne supporters. So mm. some clarity around that would be good. Let Let's remove Clayton for for a second. Did, were you ever in a situation because because a lot of the frustrations around the illicit drugs policy is that the coach or mm. the footy manager at football clubs are left in the dark. And, and largely because of confidentiality, you're dealing with the AFL doctor and the club doctor and the player. And you as a coach back in your time at Collingwood are removed from that. Was that a frustration of yours? Uh, it, it was a frustration that I think any time there's change in your environment, in, in the way that you're asked, you are asked to operate. I think it's challenging. And, and in the end, the football department should be an entity that is full of trust with, it, with each other and that there's no secrets. And in the end, the doctor, as, as GPs are often asked to do, it's, mm. it's, it's the patient first. So it's the player first or the staff member first. And there's obviously um, some information there that, is, that the doctor is privy to that shouldn't be shared with everyone and this was an instance like this but it affected the team and it affected performance and availability at times I had a doctor come to me once early in my um, coaching uh, career and say that a couple of players had done their hamstrings during the during the session and wouldn't be available for four weeks standard but they'd, they'd trained and got through the session so I do wonder whether and I was right. a little naive at the time but 
looking. Did you challenge him on that? No, not at the time. I just thought, oh well, this that's uh, this the hits keep coming. We were, we were going through a challenging period, and I thought. I've got no. This is this is a yeah. hunch. It's no. Yeah. I've, I haven't got anything to back it up. But I wonder. I, I wonder in retrospect whether there was a, whether there was a strike there that, um, that I wasn't mm. aware of because mm. it did feel you know when I it did feel strange at the time. But I I, I I would suggest that coaches have struggled with this. I know Luke Beveridge has been really strong on it, and and it's and at different times when you when something's happening in your environment and you're not aware of it, because if you are aware of something, then you can support and help and encourage. I think potentially that information maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago would have been used as a detriment to the individual. But I think clubs are far more pastoral in the way that they view their, their people. Um, And, and, and potentially they're in a better place to support and help their players through, or their or their staff, their people um, across the board mm. through these situations. Yeah. All right, Clayton Oliver clearly needing some AFL clearance to get back and return to play, and and further explanation would probably be good from the AFL and Melbourne. I would have thought it's Melbourne Mavericks uh, an IMAR membership week. Join the tribe, get pre-sale access, twenty percent off ticketing, merch discounts, inc- exclusive Trailblazer merch, and more. Secure your inaugural membership today. You just got to go to melbournemavericks.com. Who needs to pull the socks up? All day socks by Underworks on the other side of this. Did you see something on the weekend? one 736 736 We'll give you ours next. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop addicted to the shinty. Pull up your socks. I'm so done with this team. So get out there and attempt to do as I ask. If you don't want to defend, grab your bag and walk out. Pull up your socks for all-day comfort, everyday quality and everyday style. It has to be all-day socks by Underworks. All-day socks by Underworks are the comfiest socks ever. I can tell you that first-hand experience. Terrific sports sock that they've got going on. I'm completely going to be on my own on this, Bucks. Oh yeah. Yep, and I'm happy to be on pull up your socks then. on my own, but pull up your socks to the West Coast Eagles who turned up to their internal trial all wearing the most ridiculous outfits you have ever seen. So it's a takeoff of the NBA. It's a bit of fun. It's lighthearted. I get it, but there were players with overalls with nothing on underneath. There was players dressed as superheroes. There were suits with beanies. There were Hawaiian shirts. It was ridiculous, and for a club that has won five games in the last two years, I want a bit more professionalism <coughs> and an attitude that speaks to that. It's not Mad Monday. It's the first day of your season, and we don't need you dressing up like superheroes and being photographed and plastered all over social media. Let's get that. serious. You've hogged it. You can do one of those. So they had a go at it. Mine's Mark Zuckerberg. If anyone hasn't, go and have a look at him in the vault camp just before the fight. You've never seen a bloke look more uncomfortable. Trying to give high fives when blokes are hugging him, trying to hug him when they're high-fiving him, nearly poking blokes in the eyes. Pull up your socks, Zuck. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Buck stops here. 
It's for the drain man. Drain relining is the no dig, no drama way to rehabilitate your assets. The drain man. Uh, Bucks, what do you got for us this morning? I've got, I've themed it uh, this morning, Kano. So I'm going to talk about big forwards and team predictions going forward into the year. So the, the relationship between those two. Looking at predictions and trying to work out what teams are going to go well and who's going to be top eight, bottom four, it it always interests me. It's nearly impossible to do for some teams, especially when the um, when there's wild fluctuations in what they're capable of. And I think the big forwards are a part of it. The first team I'm going to go to is Port Adelaide and Charlie Dixon. I'm not fearful for Port Adelaide's form or their prospects this year relating to Charlie Dixon's availability the way that I would have been in the last five years, for instance. I think that they now have players that can come in and replace, and they've had to deal with him away often enough that they can actually buffer his um, his loss if he's not yeah. there. I think Ollie Lord really stood up. I like him as a young player, and I think he can be a beacon for the down-the-line kick. I think he can compete really well. In his short time, he's shown enough. Um, and you know, stood up really well early in the final there last year. And I think Todd Marshall is is a player that's ready to pop as well. He's he's just shy of a hundred games. I think he's an elite forward. He's as consistent as anyone. Doesn't get a lot of the ball, but he's a great kick at goal. Um, so I don't have any fears for Port Adelaide if Charlie Dixon isn't available. Yeah, George Georgiati's back. Only I'm not, 10 I, months. I don't know about Georgiati. So yeah, I, I don't well, know if he's the answer. Maybe a third tour foil in some sense, but. Yeah, he's your, th- he's your third uh, lead to the logos. Uh, athletic can sit on heads, but I was just about to say, ten months back from a knee yep. ACL and and played on Friday night and looked really good. So he was one of the real positives come out of it. I think you're right. If he can get uh, fifteen games out of Charlie Dixon and he can support those young players, and that's a bonus. What he won't be forced to do this year is go in the ruck. Yep, and so, so Soldo's Soldo's recruitment, I think, has has been brilliant. Like they pretty much, as uh, apart from Vince, Vicentini, I think his name is uh, surname. I think I got that right. He um, they, they've basically swapped their whole ruck division out. So Soldo and Sweet come in, and Soldo has played a really important role for Richmond over over his time. And if he gets a consistent year with injury, then he's going to make them better. And I think Radigalia more that more so than Zerk Thatcher is going to. His recruitment means that he goes and plays on the on the on the big forward of the opposition. It's not so much about what he's going to do as a player. I think what Ben Mackay has will do uh, for Essendon, as Brett Scott has discussed. I think Radigalia does that for Port Adelaide, and that is to allow Aaliyah to go and play his primary role, which is as a either a second or a third defender, which allows him to come and intercept a little bit more often. Are they in your eight? Absolutely, they're a top four side as far as I'm concerned. I what think, Adelaide? Yes, I, I think I think we underrate them. I think we we think that they're going to drop off. I mean, it's not just Rosie Butters and and Horn Francis. To me, I think Houston, obviously an All Australian, he's a gun. I think Bergman's on his way up. I think Young Williams off half back is a really good player. They've got a lot of small forwards that do do a lot of damage, uh, and they've actually got yeah, they've got some young keys. They, they, I think they've recruited as well as any, um, and I think that they've. They've got the wherewithal to be able to be, to, to stay as a top four side. All right. What about the Tigers? Yeah, the next ones for me are, the, are Richmond and Tom Lynch. Um, now, I, I saw Tom Lynch give a, a press conference last week. 
that gave me a little more confidence about where he's at. You know, you don't want to muck around with naviculars or with, with uh, fractures in your foot. He's a big boy. He's not going to get any lighter. But I, I, I think he is as important as any player to his team than any other player in the competition. Mm. Uh, he, like he's a modern-day Hawkins. I mean, Hawk's still around. But what Tom Hawkins has been for Geelong cannot be underestimated over his time. And he's just got better and better and better. I think he's been one of the, one of the absolute elite key forwards of his generation. And I think Tom Lynch isn't that far behind. Bolter and Kaczynski looked all right on the weekend. I don't take anything out of practice matches. It's really hard to take form lines out of that, but um, other than knowing where players might play. Um, but I think Tom Lynch's fitness is going to have a, a big say in uh, in how Adam Uze goes in his first year because they've got enough run. They've got some pop off the back. Short and Rioli off the back are going to continue to provide run. Vlost and Grimes, Broad as defenders are going to be strong enough. Um, and they've got a sprinkling of young talent there as well. It's they, they, They're going to need that that target down the line periodically. And whether Bolter can do that consistently enough, I don't know. Whether mm. Kaczynski can, can um, fill that void. But you know, Tom Lynch there for 16 to 18 games is going to make a massive difference compared to five or six. Yeah, so no team's fortunes rely around availability more so than Richmond. They, they have the, the history of a lot of their good players get injured often. And is that going to change now as they continue to age? Probably not. So Tom Lynch, one out of the last six seasons, has played 20-plus games. Mm. He's now 31. He's had surgery, and he wasn't running on grass until a month or so ago. So to sit here and go, I'm confident that Tom Lynch can play 18 games this year, I think you'd be a little bit little bit crazy mm. to say that um, because he's 31. He's got a significant injury history. And he's, he's done a no preseason. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't know, he how, put, know how to stay put. Correct. So that 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 is unrealistic. To think that Dion Presti is going to just front up and not do three hammies this year is delusional. To think that Grimes is not going to ping a calf multiple times this year is probably the same. But if they get all of those players miraculously through, then you're probably looking at finals. But I just, uh, over the course of the last four, five, six seasons, no team has more soft tissue injuries that's just gut feel. I haven't looked at the numbers clearly than, than the Tigers, and I think that will probably be the case again um, this year. So you do have fears, not like Port Adelaide with Dixon. Yes. Yeah, with I Lynch. see that differently. Oh, yeah. What about uh, the, the third one? I thought this one would roll you up. I didn't realise the second one would. But uh, Max King and St Kilda um, <laughs> only played 11 games last year for, for 28 goals. So he, And technically only played 10. He was injured really early in one and looked like that was a season ender. But then, yeah, I thought – showed some ticker to come back. And, and I suppose from the, without knowing the kid at all, the question is, like, you need courage to play as a, as a tall forward. You need to cop those hits and then get back up. And we've seen the guys that we, that have played those roles that have done it consistently. They, they become, they have to become robust, resilient, physical specimens. And, and Max King has taken a while to develop into that. Mm. Can he take that next step this year? But, ten, you know, in effect, 10 games for 28 goals, an average of three. His, his career to date before that was 60 games for 120 goals. So he stepped, he stepped it up even, even with reduced um, opportunities. I mean, he becomes so important. Last year, Caminiti came off a... Off a, off a supplementary list training for Carlton and became one of their key forwards. Owens was played as an undersized key forward. Zane Cordy 
played as a key forward. Mm. Sharman played on um, Sam Taylor in the final when Membry had pulled out, and Membry only played the seven games due to injury. So Max King wasn't there consistently. St Kilda's structure in their front half was just not there. If Max King has a full year this year, well, then where can the Saints go when they're able to scrape a finals um, a final spot last year out of you know out of the the issues that they had through the second half of the year in particular? I think he'll he'll be a watch and and um, I know you've had your thoughts on him. What what do you see Max King doing in twenty well, four? He needs to have that one breakout year. And it's about the stage where you look at it. So you completely different player to Tom Hawkins, but go go back through Tom Hawkins' career and look at what he did in like his fifth season. It was bang, I'm an all Australian, I'm here, I'm a star of the competition for the next five, six years. And a lot of key for some come on quicker, like Nick Revolt comes on straight away and bang, bang he's a star. But a lot of them take a fair time. This is a huge year for Max King, so I'm glad you brought it up. We need 60 goals out of him, but we need 60, 65 goals. Well, if he goes on his average three a game, given that there's 306 games this year, (laughs) there's a lot of games this year. So if he's averaging three a game, he's up up around 70 goals. And that... and and yeah. the, and there's there was only nine players that kicked over fifty last year. There was only eighteen that kicked over forty. So does he become an elite forward if he's in the top ten goal scorers in the competition? I think it's more than just goals though. He's got to create opportunities for his teammates. He's got to um, his midfielders have got to have sure, or halfbacks have got to have surety about where they're going to go when when there's nowhere when there's no clear options to them. They, there needs to be a bailout option now. Max King needs to provide that periodically. Jack Hayes is coming off an ACL and or a knee injuries, and once again, like you were saying about Lynch and Prestia, he's had a lot of injuries. But he's a young kid. But I mm. like him when he's up and mm. about. I don't know whether he can support. Rowan Marshall memory, has memory to is run the other forward. One. Questions over over memory as well. And now a lot of Saints fans get defensive when you speak about Max King, but his reputation hasn't matched his performance yet. Fifty two goals was great in in twenty twenty two. But you're right. The body language, the um, commanding uh, the respect of your teammates around you, that's what that's what he's got to be. He's got to stand up and be that presence inside forward 50 that he probably hasn't been. And even when you read between the lines, between what Ross has said about him last year when he's 50-50 to play, it's, oh, we'll leave it sort of in, in Max's hands. I think that's a subtle message to go, right, let, let, let's go. Yep, mm. you saw there's some adversity there, but most key forwards have got the same. So I just, I agree with you. I'm glad you brought it up. I think it's a massive year and we need to be talking about Max King in contention for winning the Coleman medal this year. Agreed. And and at his best, he could he could easily do that. And St Kilda, the team need to help him do that as well. It's a, it's a rising tide um, situation. Well, one thing I will put on the table there that you just mentioned, reputation. His performance hasn't matched his reputation. I think, I still reckon we're, Partly to to blame well, for and that. His, and his paycheck, though, Bucks. No, like, I understand he's, he's that. He's been a highly paid yeah. no, player I get since his third year. I, and look, there's, he's not the first player to be paid on potential. Yeah. That happens a lot. So let's match it. But, but the other thing we need to and we need to realise is he played as an underage in his 18 year in his under 18s in his underage year he played seven games in his top age year he played one. So he played eight games of footy mm. in the TAC before he before he came through. He's he's 
he had injury early. Then he played th- largely three full seasons, and he had a half a season last year. He's ready to go now. He should be ready to go. He's been well touted, but the difference between reputation and reality is up to the player himself. So he has the talent. We can see that. And he's got a coach that is going to help him develop. And having said that, you know, Ross is moving, wanting to move the ball a little bit quicker, which is going to give his tall forwards a little bit more scope. Um, but yes, this is the year. This is year for Max King to step up and, it, and it's going to have a massive influence on St Kilda's chances. Excellent edition of the key forward buck stops here for the drain man. This is SEM Breakfast. You can book online for the best rates at melbourneairport.com.au. And we are powered by Kubota for over 40 years. We've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. The weather update this summer, be prepared for extreme weather and sign up for SMS outage alerts at unitedenergy.com.au slash notify. In Melbourne today, it's headed for a top of 17 degrees. On the other side of this, I've got some pre-season observations on work our way through. And Bucks, I set you some homework last night as well. We're going to get to that before 9 o'clock. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. It is Kane and Bucks. You can book online for the best rates in Melbourne Airport. Parking, melbourneairport.com.au. And, of course, for Kubota, for over 40 years, we'll be making tomorrow matter shaping and building Australia. The McCafe menu is absolutely stacked. David Teague is going to tell us about their win against Melbourne yesterday. And Rob Ald is the AFL Executive General Manager of Game Development. The AFL set to spend a billion dollars across the next decade to get more people playing footy. Um, a couple of observations from the preseason games over the weekend, and you're right, Bucks. Every year I get sucked into um, preseason games <laughs> and make make big statements. I did that last year, so I'm not going to do that. This Good work. More, more just gentle, more just gentle observations. Um, Gross, you touched man. on Tom Lynch uh, and his importance to the Tigers. I think there's another one, and that is Nan Curvis. So in nine seasons, he's played 20 games just three times and 15 last year. And Samson Ryan is a likely type, but he's not ready to be their ruck yet at Richmond. And we saw that at the start of the game. Yesterday, Melbourne kicked the first five. Max Gorn was dominant from the centre bounce. Gorn also went forward and tested him there. He's just not ready to ruck. I know they've got Naismith, but I'm not sure he's the option either. So the availability of Nan Curvis to lead as captain and as a ruckman, I think he's really significant um, for the Tigers. Do you think that he's a bit of a um, a talisman for them as well? Does he does he bring their their aggression and, and some of their yeah. grunt? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's the fire starter there. Often in a, uh, often the ruck role will do that, but it's excellent when when you have a ruckman who can is great at his craft and brings that that mm. energy as well. Just want to speak about Shea Bolton and how important he is as well and, and and his standing and where it can get to across the whole of the competition, not at Richmond. So in 2022, I saw him as absolutely a top 10 player in the league, maybe maybe pushing top five with, with what he's got and his, his numbers were amazing, 400 touches and 41 goals in 2022. And whilst his numbers were really good last year, it was more possession, probably less impact. Um, he's 25 now, absolutely entering his prime. And what he is capable of is the best player in the game. Is he going to get that? I don't know. And uh, it, it changes all the time from week to week. Who's the best player in the game? That, that's a difference of opinion. But he should be in that conversation 
by the end of this year. He was terrific yesterday. He's a nightmare matchup. Um, and he's got the tricks to go on ball, centre bounce, impact, drift forward, get over the back, sit on heads, kick goals off the ground. But too often last year, I thought he just drifted. You sort of watch a game and for five, six minutes, seven, eight minutes, where, where's Bolton? I haven't seen him and then, you know, flash through the screen and he'll light it up. So just some more consistency for Bolton will be critical in him reaching those highs that I think he's capable of reaching. Last year was the first year I saw him frustrated as a player. And, and whether that's midfield time versus forward time, whether that was the win-loss ratio, whether it was, um, you know, the, the, the changeover of coach um, and the instability that was there. But there was, there was plenty of reasons why there was a bit of a drop-off for him last year. Five or six pre-seasons in, you start to build that depth of um, cardiovascular strength. And, and he's a, I mean, he's a ballistic player. He does amazing things. You know, mark of the year and goal of the year in one year. Mm. It's, it's pretty amazing that he can do that. I, I'm, he's, he's just one of the players you just love to go and watch play the game. And he looked, he looked up and about, um, which is a good start. At, uh, at his first showing on the weekend. He did. Um, uh, for the Demons, just a few of their ball movement, ball movers I liked and their connectors. So Billings, a couple of nice touches and hits the kicks that perhaps Melbourne players have been reluctant to take. Windsor on the wing, we've spoken a lot about him. First year player, so expectations will be low, but he's a ball carrier. He's a good user of the ball. Hunter, when he plays, Bowie off half back and Kynan Brown is the other one who's got lateral movement, first-year player, father-son, who looks a likely tight bucks yesterday. Yeah, look, and, and as you said, that, that first exposure is always interesting and you, you make assessments based on on, on whether um, on whether guys are going to be able to carry that through a season. You're waving at me. You, no, that's, what that's have I done? not for you, mate. It's for Joel. Oh, okay. You were waving something at the screen and I was like, what so, I, I Observation I made, I went and watched, I think, watching off the TV, I watched, I watched a bit of the Melbourne Richmond off the TV, didn't get down there, but yes. I went and watched Hawthorne on last Thursday um, live. Your man Weddle looks okay. He's going to have to play as an undersized key, I think, uh, early in the season in particular, but he looked good. Watson was, uh, I know that you and Kingy sort oh, of came back yeah. and gave you that, <laughs> gave you his feedback. But So what was your over-under for how many goals he can kick? I thought I set the over and under at 36. Well, that's, that's, that, I'm taking the unders on that, but yeah, that's I not know. saying King, he's not... King not took the unders as well, and it was, it was probably high. Um, but he's good, for, he's good for one and a half goals a game, I, I believe, and that would get about 36. Now, availability, injury... To have an expectation of a first-year player to play like well, all of them as well. But Jade, Like Jaden Stevenson, that's about the mark that he yeah. set in his first year. Ginnivan kicked 41. You know, he's, a, he's a young player. I don't know. I just think he's special. And I think he's going to get you one and a half goals a game when he plays. Now, does he play all 23 games? And he probably has to to get that number. Probably not on reflection, but... Um, I'll tell you the other one that stood out was Huswate. He just Yeah, Kingy was raving about yeah, him Yeah, and, well. and, and he looked like he was big and strong. He just... He, he was um, very good in the clinches, uh, clean with his hands, and apparently is is as trained on as, as, as fit as. So... Mm. Hawthorne supporters should be looking, and probably takes Will Day's midfield spot. To be honest, um, yeah, in those early early couple of rounds that he's going to miss, so that's a great opportunity for the young fella if he if he continues his trajectory. Working through a couple more observations from the preseason games of the weekend, Goody needs to release Cosy Pickett's handbrake. Put him in the centre bounces more. Has every, he got the every, tank? Well, Has he got the tank? Does he need the tank? Because does yes. Can you not? 
go to centre bounce and be a centre bounce forward player. I think he, I think he can be that. Can he Sirioli. be Sirioli? Yeah, Papley, did it. Sirioli, Bolton, Bolton started to do that. Um, Rochelle's going to do that. Rankin's going to do that for Adelaide. Every time he's in the centre bounce, which is so crucial, and Melbourne have been a very good centre bounce team, he lights it up. Um, he averages 11 touches for his career picket and a clearance per game last year. He's a big goal kicker. He kicked a lot of goals. I want him to get to 15, 16 touches a game, and the benefits for that to Melbourne will just be will be enormous. Now, he's not a high-possession player. I get that. But every time he goes to centre bounce, he does something. So I think he went to eight yesterday, eight centre bounces. You'd love to see him in there for 30 40% of the time at the Ds. And they started to do that early last year, but then went away from that. As the season went on, I just think you can do that. The six 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 has made it a little harder to have that go, like because you can swap from from the front, but you used to be able to bring a player off the back. So you you potentially put your midfielder off the back and put a forward into centre bounce. Yes, when you didn't have to be six six six. So that was you probably saw more of that forward spitting forward after that. It's a it's a little bit more difficult. You don't get as much cover when you do it from the front, but. Um, there are ways and means to to get your uh, your your best sharpest um, players in and around the ball. Mm. He's got to prove to do that before he's going to get more time. All right, two more. Every time I see Van Royen play, he impresses me, and I don't know if we've made enough of him. I know the crowd, the big woo, and we love watching him. He's not even twenty one, and every time I see him play, I'm like you are everything I'd want for my team's key forward. He's aggressive. He leads to the logos. He crashes packs. He's a bit rough around the edges, and there's a couple of things that he would need to tidy up in his game, but he's not even 21. Mm. He's played one season. So the sky's the absolute limit for this young man, and I just think Mel would have been searching for that player for so long. You've found it. Don't worry about it. You don't go searching. You, you've found it now. Um, they sh- I think they should have traded Petty and absolutely loaded up. He'll never be worth more to them than what he was in trade period last year. And I don't know if he's a forward, but Van Royen is, and I just love watching him play. Scott he'll he'll need a foil, and Petty's that guy. I, okay. I don't think ben, I think Ben Brown is. You know, he's been a, a great servant. Uh, Fritch needs to be a third tall, and and I th- if you got Petty, if you got four seasons out of Petty and Van Royen, and gave them mm. a chance to work together as a unit, we could see a very different. Melbourne side going inside 50 because we understand the challenges they've had you yeah. know, over the last couple of years. And McAdam's in that, like, provided his body's like, McAdam is, you know, he can add something different as well. On um, paper, how good does everyone's best look now? Like, you I just know. think about, okay, if they can do this, that, and the other, and it all, all got to come together. But even Melbourne, with the troubles that we've seen through, like, they're stacked through the midfield. They've got May and Lever out back. They didn't look great when they were getting 10 goals kicked against them in a practice match against Richmond, who was mm-hmm. not really touted as going that well this year. But, um, yeah, they, they've still got a lot of weapons. And just the last one, just the importance of Riley Philthorpe, who was excellent for Adelaide in their intra-club game. He's just the ideal second-ruck key forward. Balances their forward line perfectly with Fogarty and Walker and Rankin and Rochelle and Pedler and, and Murphy and these players. Needs to play tougher, needs to be more consistent and needs to live to the talent that he's got. But the reports are big on his pre-season. So hopefully for the Phil seeker, Riley Philthorpe, he has a big Phil year Thorpe, for Phil the Crows. Thorpe, just, on, just on... Him, I think the tough love that he's received in his first couple of years, we'll I think, off. yeah, we we ne- we never know the alternate reality. But if he'd have been molly coddled and and got all his games without having been challenged the way that I th- 
I feel like the Adelaide coaching staff have challenged him. We don't know whether he just would have, might have faded, he might have faded out the next 18 months. It's still yet to happen, but I reckon he's more of a chance with that tough love, mm. with those those harsh those higher expectations on his performance, on his competitiveness. I hope he comes through, and I hope the Adelaide coaching staff get rewarded by making those calls. All right, that was our observations from the preseason. On the other side of the news headlines, some questions without notice. Time for some questions without notice. Nathan Buckley is alongside of me. David Teague, Rob Ald still to join us. And your calls on 1300 736 736. Uh, you and I both read the article in The Age from Jake Nile with Brad Scott. Uh, he said this about the expectations. He was not going to be drawn into specific forecasts about winning or making finals, saying he's focused on improving in all areas rather than an immediate outcome. The question to you is, should Brad Scott publicly set the expectation that it finals is the only acceptable outcome, considering they've now got four mature recruits, two of them on big money bucks. They've got 12 top 10 draft picks on their list, which is the most in the league. Should he be publicly coming out and saying, we must play finals this year as coach? Um, no, he doesn't. He doesn't need to say that publicly. What he's talking about internally is more important and from his public utterings what they're talking about internally is the behaviors and habits that lead to success rather than how much success they're going to have so it's it's also an aspect of that that I would throw up is that it's it's not setting a limit either so it's not saying that hey just making finals and winning a final is not just what we're capable mm. of um, and that can be that can be an issue yeah, you know, on the on the upside, I suppose, of, of for your playing group and their psyche on what they believe can be achieved, also. So I think focusing on the habits and getting and and that professional standard that he has discussed, I think that's a valid way to go about it, and it's a valid thing to be talking about externally when internally you know that that is going to be drummed into the playing group pretty heavily. Are they in your eight? No, no, Essen. I find Essen really interesting. Like, I think. Sort of just looking at their their recruiting, like they've got a they've got some high end talent there that they just haven't been able to get on the park. I think Harrison Jones is going to be a ripping player when he gets going, um, but we just haven't seen him enough. Um, Nick Cox may or may not. We know that he's talented. We, he came he came on the scene with a bang, and then he's he sort of he's um, been nowhere to be seen for a couple of years. Oh, they they go heavily to trade. And this year is evidence of that. You know, Gresham could be really good for them. Um, Goldstein, we don't know how much footy he'll play, depending on Draper. Uh, I, I just, Dersma. Yeah, knows. well, Dersma, yeah, I, 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 what type of player he's going to become, I'm not sure. But, but I, I, yeah, he'll, play, he'll run up and down the wing. And, and Mackay, I, I think that they've, as, they, as they've done, they've recruited for need really well. But they need to make more of of the elements that they have at their disposal because they haven't been able to pop as a team. We've seen them for bits and you know, drips and drabs here and there, but not not consistently enough. And that's the challenge for, for if you want to be a finals team in this in this sort of competition because it's so tight. I don't want to be a cue. Well, I just want to ask the question to Essendon fans firstly. Are you happy with that language from the coach? Not, not drawn into any forecast of the season or would you rather him come out and say, right, we're ready to go finals is a must. Let us know your thoughts on that. I don't want to be accused of hogging questions without notice, Bucks, but I've got to get your thoughts on this. This is 
Dave Matthews, the giant CEO, speaking over the weekend on his, well, have a listen. They were the last team the Giants played. How important is it to kind of get the season going off the right way? Oh, I think it's really important. I mean, we hate Collingwood almost as much as we hate the Swans. So, you know, they're the perfect opponent for us in the opening round. We think the game will sell out um, and, and we just want to see a packed giant stadium and, and get, a, get away with four points. So, yeah, it's a perfect start for us, we think. Good for the game or disrespectful? No, I think it's good for the game. He's good copy, Dave. Um, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he doesn't hide his dislike for, for Collingwood um, or Sydney for that matter. And and I think he's probably in a position of a position of strength that um, he might not have been in for strength. Yeah. Collingwood just won the flag. No, no, I, no. In terms of yeah, the side that, that okay. I think he he probably believes his footy departments yeah moving in 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 a good direction. They've got positive momentum. They're wrapped in the second half of the year. They 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 love their coach. Um, they love the he obviously loves the energy of his of his playing group and and what 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 he witnessed in the back half of last year, it's pretty hard not to be impressed with what they were able to put together. So he's, and he's not going to, um, he's not backwards in coming forwards, uh, Dave. So I think that was to be expected and it will be, why not drum it up? Like GWS's biggest challenge is, is to try and build a supporter base and, and, and create meaning for their club, um, an identity for their club. And, and they've, they've struggled for that. In the, on that Sydney footprint for for the most of their existence, but they they've got a chance to continue to do that. So why not? Why not? Um, yeah, poke no, I think it, poke I, I think I'm with, I think I'm with you on it. I think it is good for the game. It, but if I was Adam Kingsley as coach of the Giants, what I, what I really want the CEO saying that and adding further fuel to it, probably not. And I'm a bit scarred by Port Adelaide in the last, I don't know, three or four showdowns, every time before the showdown, we hate the Crows. We hate the Crows. And the Crows just sit back. They're really humble about it. They don't get, uh, they don't get brought into it. Um, they don't get sucked in and they go and win. But I think the hate, the hate is for like the word hate or that, or the, the history um, and the rivalry that, that, that is for the fans. And, and I think Dave Matthews comments are, are, for, are trying to drum up their fans or the, mm. or the marketing of the game. As long as internally, like I don't know any footy department or team coaching group that go into a game wanting to beat that team because of what happened 20 years ago. It doesn't, that's not the way it works anymore. So I, like so, Kenny was getting up like when he was doing mm, the like mm. that's one zero and like he was that was as close as I've seen it going internal. But he was doing that for his supporter group as much as anything. But I agree with you. Be circumspect in that regard from a from a pure footy sense. Be circumspect and go and go and get the four points and then and then move on. Be humble about it. But you can be you can enjoy those. But I think Dave is a little bit one out one back from the footy program, and he's a, he can go as hard as he likes. Pies fans, the 40 Winks Temper Text is 0433981116. It's the all new Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever. It's here. Temper, a mattress like no other. Disrespectful or good for the game? Have you say? Kane and Bucks. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Continuing on with our discussion points from the weekend or any questions without notice or your observations, let us know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Why don't we take a couple of calls before we get to Bucks' uh, homework over the weekend. Jim's in Doncaster. You want to speak about the Tigers? G'day, Jim. 
Yeah, g'day guys. Uh, first call for the year, so welcome back for all of us. Um, Go on, you bud. Uh, Shay Bolton, you're talking Tiger fan here. Shay Bolton, you're talking about having uh, the meat of a big year, but I reckon, I reckon the pressure's on um, the guy who sometimes looks like Alex Saran, sometimes uh, it looks like Anthony Kudafiz, and that's Noel Bolter. He's 24. We've been talking about him breaking out. I know he's you know, talking about moving forward, playing back, a specimen of a footballer, and really, really the time is now, and, 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 and this is the need for a breakout season for him. I mean, he's been a solid player, but really, he should be a star. So he can kick it, he can jump, he can run. He should be able to do it all and do it consistently. Your thoughts? I must admit, Bucks, I like him more back than forward. Well, I get that, but I think that he's... I don't know. I don't know him that well. He seems like he's up and about. He can do the um, amazing acts, and he's obviously his athleticism. I think that lends him more to a forward. As a defender, you're probably more dour, more consistent, and some of the flair that he's shown as a back. Imagine if you could do that in the front half of the of the field. So I, I think it's um, and and Dimmer dabbled with it. So there's a reason why um, that sort of athleticism and that power and that size could actually get the job done and the unpredictability in some shape or form. So uh, we, it takes six to eight games to actually get a good look at it, and maybe it even takes a season. But um, if he's there for a sustained block, we'll get a good look. David Tiger, join us uh, soon. Bucks, I wanted to speak to you about a couple of players that may just break out this year and we're players who will enhance their reputation. So at the end of this season, we're talking about them in a completely different light yeah. than what we are right now. You mentioned Angus Shieldrick last week from yeah. Sydney and that took off actually. They got A lot of people were agreeing with you and then Sydney did this little social media video where they asked a lot of the players who's had a big preseason and who's going to have a big year and a lot of them to a man said, your man... We're- and we're talking about a, a nine-game, twenty-year-old yeah. who's obviously had a few injury concerns last year, but geez, he showed some signs. I, and and if if his teammates think that he's thereabouts and they're prepared to put him on the block, he's obviously had a great preseason. Okay, well, especially with all the young stars around him at mm. Sydney, like they're everywhere. So who else you got? I thought, okay, well let's let's tap into this a bit more. Now, who I, else you? I've avoided I've avoided the easy one. So that, this was the homework you gave me, but. So Sheldrick was one. I mean, there's Humphrey, O'Callaghan, um, Mitch Owens, uh, mm-hmm. Philip Hooper. They're, I think they're guys that, I mean, I could say Sheasel. You could, like, you could do they're all obvious. that. But I've picked yep. three. I've picked three. And each of them are around 50 games. So Kitty Coleman is the first one. I say 26 touches in the grand final was his highest possession getting um, game of the year. Votes in the Norm Smith medal. He's been a high 60s to low 70% game player. But I just think that he can go and be the absolute quarterback of the competition. The way that he – and the, the composure that he's shown, he stood up in, in the biggest test that you're ever going to face, in the middle of the mm-hmm. MCG, on the biggest game. And I reckon that will help him propel his confidence um, and – yeah, you know, belief in himself, I suppose. He's he's got great composure. He's a like he's a scalpel with his left foot. He's young too. And I and I think he can just go from strength to strength. Second one I've got is um Sam Durham at Essendon. So he's played forty nine games. He won't be a high possession getting player, but he's a high impact player. But the other thing I love about him, no matter whether Essendon were playing well or playing poorly, his effort and attitude were consistent. He's got great spirit, great ticker. 
hard up and back runner on the wing. There's been talk of Nick Martin going to halfback because Dersma coming to the wing. I suspect, I suspect that we'll see Durham as an inside mid. He's one mm. of their best runners. Mm. He's one of their hardest workers. He's great with his voice. I've I've heard him mic'd up on a in a training session. He's vocal, country kid who's just going to have a crack. And I and I I I just love the way he goes about his footy. So that's probably a little bit of a biased one because I just have a I feel like I've got have an yep. affinity with how he carries himself. He's two. And the third one I've gone um, way across to the West is Hayden Young, 57 games in. He's already a star. Is he? Is that, is that too easy for you? Uh, probably borderline. All right. Well, I'll, 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 I'll go to another. If you don't like that, I'll go Miles <laughs> Bergman is, yeah, is the good, other one I had. I, I like, I like both, both, of them, of them. both of them 57 games. But like, both of them are halfbacks, but I think they'll become more. I think Bergman up on a wing – I think he's um, he's like a Nick Haynes type that you know, can do it in the air and on the ground. But Young um, went into the midfield, tagged Lockie Neal for a half and had 18 touches and then faded. Yeah, has he prepared as a midfielder? I'd, I'd lo- I think Freo are going to have a really interesting year with where they go. But Hayden Young's a watch for me and Miles Bergman. So there's four for you, mate. You can... Kitty Coleman, Durham, the obvious one with Young. And Miles Bergman, Bucks four breakout players yours? for me. Luke Pedler at Adelaide. Mac Andrew yep. is going to be something else. And Ollie Henry is going to explode. Pedler's one of my favourites. Could have easily put him year. in. Your Who man. are your tips to break out this year? 0433981116. Back with you after this. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Busy couple of hours. The Bucks Ops here was terrific. We had our preseason match observations and then our suggestions for th- three players who may break out this year. I did laugh. My social media feed absolutely caught fire with the Richmond because I'm not big on Richmond this year. I'm, I'm still not. I think they're going to struggle. But a lot of Richmond fans loved what they saw yesterday, Bucks. And they lit me up on social media. Did Timmy Taranto have a run? <laughs> he wasn't there yesterday. Top 150 oh, players in the competition. Sometimes oh, you just got to put your hand up and go, yeah, I might have got that yeah, wrong. I don't know if I did. I don't know if I, I do not <laughs> You're know if not going to double down do on that. I do not know if I did. Oh. Um, the 40 Winks Temper Text <laughs> is open and we are powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. Big guest coming up next. I don't give a stuff what anyone thinks. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop Yes, good morning to you if you're joining us for the first time. Still to come on the McCafe menu, our official coffee partner, David Teague, the Richmond assistant coach, to tell us about their win over the Demons yesterday. And Rob Hall, the AFL, spending a stack of money to try and get uh, people playing more, more people playing footy. And there's a a whole heap of uh, KPIs that they want to hit. And that has been outlined. So Rob's going to tell us about that. What does it mean for your club? And also... What challenges are you facing at your club at community level and where do you desperately need the funds? one 736 736 Bucks is alongside of me. Just continuing on from the Essendon um, theme and, and Brad Scott, uh, I think every coach has now spoken apart from Luke Beveridge Bucks. I don't want to flog <laughs> a dead horse here, but um, he was one of the last ones. Brad, Craig McRae, they've all done media, still waiting for... For Luke, so you'd love to see it if you're a Dogs fan, but anyway, we'll continue to wait. This quote uh, struck a lot of people, I think, and was was sort of the breakout quote from the article. If we have players who aren't going to buy into that part of our program, 
in terms of the investment in the elite AFL lifestyle. They'll stand out and they'll stand out in a bad way. So it will be quite easy to make the changes to our list that we need to make. Is that just talk? No. No, that I think. Really? No, so in the context of the article, he's basically saying how important it is for everyone to step up, and these are these are the expectations. What he's actually saying there is that he believes the majority of the group are already heading in the right direction. So if you can, if you imagine that there's bad habits, and then you've got a couple that stand out because they're exceptionally professional, well, you want to flip that. So there's great habits, mm. there's, there's great expectations, there's a way of behaving, there's a way of performing uh, in preparation that, that is normalised. And then the ones that don't do that are the ones that are going to stand out in a bad way. So that's, that's, that's actually a really positive comment about the type of environment that you want to create and the habits that you want to create. It makes decision-making a lot easier on one, who to play week by week, Two, who to um, who to push up and who to encourage, and three, who to delist. Yeah, but if you, if you're at selection, you're at match committee, and you've got, and it's so easy to do this, but it's just the the obvious one. You've got Jake Stringer there last year, who I called out because just the way that he looked when he turned returned back to preseason, he wasn't, he, he was definitely not living the AFL lifestyle. He definitely just look at him, and you can tell, been in the game for a long time. They're sitting at match committee. They still pick Jake Stringer every week. Well, so not what, every what week. Remember, well, they, they, played, made, they made him work for a, it early, remember? Yeah, but when he's available, they, they pick him. And I know he's been in the B team throughout preseason, but they, they don't delist him at the end of last year. Like you could, you could have easily gone, okay, I've had enough of Jake Stringer. We'll try and trade him. If we can't trade him, we're going to move was on. Was he re-signed or is it simply that? He had a contract, but he's not the first player to be delisted with a one year left of a contract. They didn't try and trade him as far as I could see. And he's still on the list now, and they'll still pick him round one if he's available. And then Ben Mackay, like you could, has Ben Mackay fully been living the elite AFL lifestyle, or has he been an underperforming, little bit inconsistent player who hasn't got the best out of himself? We'll still go and give him six years at nine, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars and make him one of the highest paid players in the game for six years. Is that the message that you want to send when they're the words that you're speaking? Well, if I'm, he's, Brad Scott's only been there for the 12 months. Yeah. And I think he, the first half of last year or the middle of last year, we saw Essendon play some really consistent footy. He and they would be wounded by the way they finished the season. Those uncompetitive performances were a throwback and it actually speaks to the underbelly of, what the danger might be in the in the playing group at Essendon, and that is that when it gets tough, that they mm. drop away. And then I think that speaks to on-field leadership. I, I think Redmond's been amazing, and for him to re-sign with the club, um, he and Durham won the 2K time trial, sort of breasting the line together um, in, in some vision that I saw. They're, the, they're what you're going to build this club around, the young players that are coming through with with some real hunger. So I, I don't think Brad Scott could do any more at this point. Yeah. So and he's starting in the right place. Don't get me wrong. I, I, all the language, all the action that I see from the, I love, I'm, I'm all about living the uh, elite lifestyle every day of the year, every single day when you're a professional athlete, you, you live that. And I get frustrated by players that don't. So don't, I'm not critical. I'm just saying, when will we see it? So they're the words. Do the words marry up to the action? And, Will we see that this year? And will they make the hard calls? And will they make some strong 
delistings or recruitments at the end. Well, I reckon, so, uh, I reckon yeah, we know. I'm seeing the words, but I'm yet to see that marry up with the action. Well, Essendon should jump out of the blocks. They should. Like, I, don't, I haven't looked at their draw, but in the first eight weeks, and it's not about one opponent or one game or two games, but in the first eight weeks, off the back of the way they finished the year, that, that they should have been smarting through preseason about the way they finished because they were going to play finals for a long stay, a long part of that year. They, 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 some of those performances were insipid. You know, the last couple of performances were insipid. The mm. players, the coaches, anyone involved with the club should have been bitterly disappointed with that. Now, yes, players have, out of their own pocket have gone away and trained at altitude, so that's a great step. The energy looks okay at the tra- in, in training. How will they follow that through? The first eight weeks, they want to hit the ground running and potentially unlike other clubs, they need to be ahead of the curve early All right. and, to, and to answer the way that they finished last year. And I'm pretty Here, sure the coach and the players will be talking about that. Here's their first six. Let's go their, their first six. You're going to tell me win-loss. Yep. Hawks round one. Well, they should. They absolutely should win that. I mean, that's... that's okay, win. This Sydney, is, this is pre- Sydney this at is the, the SCG round two. No, I can't. Well... They could, but I I rate the Swans. Let's let's go one on one. Yeah. See these types of games. Saints round three. Yeah, well, they should be thinking that they're going to win that game. <laughs> they have to. They'd put Adelaide yeah. in Adelaide, probably not the Dogs and the Crows. So that, there's the first six, and then it's yeah. So maybe so maybe maybe Coast. look at across the board. You know, maybe the three and three looks like mm. it's it's something that people would go, oh, well, that's acceptable. That's a pass. If they yeah. go five and one, then that's that's a statement. That's what we're talking about. It's not one game here or there. It's their evenness of performance. It's their buy-in from their players. It's their consistency to game plan. It's how hard they are to play against and how hard they are to beat. Mm-hmm. And that that will that's the minimum standard. Then you find out where your talent takes you. So that's what Brad Scott's talking about. He's talking about the right stuff. There was uh, 19 players that earned a million plus last year, Bucks. There was eight that earned 1.2 or over. You read those numbers. Did it did it shock you? Did it surprise you? Is it fair? Um, Should it be more? No, well, I actually think I, I think players have been well looked after through the COVID period. I, I think out of yeah, the cohort of of um, the elite level, as they should, they put the show on. They've always been the high highest paid part of the game, outside of a, a couple of the AFL executives who are managing the game, which is a tough job to do, but. I think the players have been well remunerated. I think that there's the high performers that generally the ones that are you know over a long period of time are the ones that that earn those those big figures. And it's a it's a tough caper, and you're not in it forever. You know your career could be over unless you're Scott Penderbury. Could be over low thir- uh, you know early thirties, and and then you've got to find something else to do with your life. So I think that um, I think they get well paid. Uh, Kingy and I disagreed on Taron Thomas on Friday. I've had enough and I've seen enough and I think there's enough history of behaviour that the club should move away from Taron and I said that for a couple of reasons. I just feel like they've gone in a different direction. Mm. There's a lot of positivity at North. There's a crop of, I called them prodigies, three or four of them coming through at North together and they're clearly driving high standards and they are going to get this club where they need to go. And Taron Thomas is a distraction to that. A lot of the reaction is, well, how could you say that if he hasn't been proven mm. guilty of anything? And we don't know. And I'm like, well, there's enough history of things that he has been proven to have done. And I'm going in a different direction. And that may come back to bite you. But I use the example of Tyson Stengel at Adelaide. A couple of indiscretions. Bang, you're done. 
I don't think Adelaide are regretting that decision. And equally, Tyson's going, well, you know, I've spent 12 months in the sample, came back, I'm a better person, I'm a better player, I won a premiership All-Australian, and now my life is back on the right path. I, Where are you with it? I, I think it, it definitely is case for case. Um, yeah, even your comments on Jake String, and Jake's you know, been around for a while, and, and you could be... It, it, I think you're not AFL clubs aren't of the habit of giving away something and getting nothing in return, or even costing themselves. Yeah. So that's that's on, that's on the footy side of things. I think on the on the human aspect of things, I think most clubs feel like they have a responsibility to to, sta- to stand by their people, which they have and walk done walk with. along have walk things. along them through their journey. I agree. Only the only the club would know that break point. Yeah, and different clubs would have different expectations and standards and the threshold would be in a different place. And I don't think we can actually measure that externally because you have to be in there because we don't have all the information. So for Clayton Oliver, for instance, we don't. I don't have all the information on Clayton Oliver. I don't have all the information on Taron Thomas. A, a but internally the they would Thomas have has it. Become, has become public through the club, putting him through programs, him not meeting the programs, him staying away from the club. There's North been have been pretty the, transparent with it. Yeah, they have. So I think we, I think we've got a lot of the information now. The latest one, we probably don't, but it, it's a, it's another one. It's another distraction. It's another time where he's had to be stood down from the club and not trained for what would it be the best part of four or five weeks now. I just think for the club and for the betterment of it, move away and go in the direction that you've got with six or seven genuine potential star players that are under the age of twenty-one, and go in a different direction. Well, you but mentioned wait and see you mentioned yep. Stengel. So if Tar- if North move away from Taron Thomas, mm. should another club have a crack at him? Well, they will. They will. But I would hope that that would come after this season playing VFL or wherever and getting your, your life on track and showing how much it means. And then he'll be 24 years of age, put himself up at the end of this year. Like, so I think the, the, the right example is Tyson Stengel. Is Dale exactly Gala, yeah. who, went and, who went to Hawthorne. That didn't work. And, and like Ben Cousins, did that work for Richmond? Maybe he might have taught him how to train. Uh, look, there's there's examples of it not working as well. But in the end, you don't have all the information. I back North Melbourne to make the call. I back Alistair Clarkson, who's been a coach for a long period of time, to know when he has to let a player go. And February into heading into a season is not the time when you make decisions on players long term. You might you might say, well, it's likely that we're going to let him go at the end of the year. But you're working with players right up until the last day of every season and to get the best out of it. And that destruction throughout the year? Every it time might... someone from North is up in front of the media, they're going to be asked about Taron Thomas. Well, it might be. But they, I thought North handled it pretty well last year. And they stood him down if they felt like they needed to stand him down. And, and of course, like everyone else, it's not as if you've, you've got the golden ticket. You've got to behave um, appropriately on and off the field, in and out of the public sphere to... Um, to earn your opportunity to be an AFL footballer, and that's on that's on Taron Thomas. All right, we and, and it's his opportunity. Somewhat, you can have your say. Uh, jumped around a lot of topics there. Happy to open up the lines for you. Um, it's Kane and Bucks for breakfast on SEN. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop to the shindig. The AFL want to double the number of registered participants by 2033 and he's going to increase funding in traditional NRL states, New South Wales and Queensland. 
while still remaining fully committed to um, the heartland states, Victoria, Tasmania, South Australia, West Australia. They're going to spend a billion dollars across the next decade in an effort to get more people playing the game. To tell us about that is the AFL General Manager of Game Development. His name's Rob Ald. Rob, thanks for your time on SEM Breakfast. Good morning, Kane. How are you? I'm good. I, I know you've coached at uh, community level and it's really important to you, Rob. The, the challenge behind this, it's a its a big fi- figure when you say a billion dollars. Uh, tell us about how it came about. It's big and bold. It was a result of the um, AFL Commission in August 2022 uh, enshrining 10% of revenue uh, to gain development, which I think was a statement of confidence, but also a statement of recognition of how important grassroots footy is to the total system. Without grassroots footy, the talent pathway then diminishes and then the AFL, AFLW elite competitions follow on from that. So we, we've set about strengthening our, our competitions across the country in 2023. We feel like we've got back to a position of sufficient stability now where we can look forward 10 years with that enshrined percentage and that billion dollars to invest and and grow our participant base um, from 526,000 today to a million by 2033. Well, Rob, we see in government funding, sometimes the dollars uh, are allocated, but they might not always get to the root matter or the cause of, of or, or fix what you're trying to fix. What what are the things manifestly on the ground that you'd like to see improved um, in local and, and, and country or community footy in the next two or three years? It's a, it's a really good point about making sure that our investment's targeted mm. and it suits our markets. And, and that's why we call out the differentiation between the heartland states and New South Wales and Queensland. There'll be different approaches relative. The three things to answer your question precisely are formats. So I, I think our growth needs to still come off a really strong base of traditional community football. But I think we need to make more opportunities for more people to be able to play more often. That's number one. The second one is facilities. Um, we want to create the best facility network across the country, both indoor and outdoor. And indoor is a bit of a new foray for us to create custom-built facilities for AFL to be played. Um, and then the last one is environments. We need to make sure they're welcoming and inclusive. We've, we've got to make sure that they're available no matter what your cultural background is. Uh, for women and girls right across the country. We want to make sure that those environments are the best they can be. Rob, had, uh, on the facilities aspect of it, I know like my boys played junior footy over the last six, seven years, and, and simply finding a patch of grass at the right times of a week to train has been difficult, especially with the advent of women's footy and, and so many young girls are playing these days, which is great. But it just it's just been a... Um, a squeeze on availability of of, um, of ovals. How do you how do you manifestly make a difference there in in the short term? There's two there's two ways that we're approaching that challenge, and it is a real challenge. The two ways we're approaching is if we can get 25 extra hours out of an existing oval, that's equivalent to an additional oval. Yep. So that can come from better playing surfaces, better lighting, better change room, better drainage. They're live examples, and then obviously green space, which is not always available where you need it to be, where your population is, but those two areas. Over the last seven years, we've been able to make available an extra 420 grounds. We now think that we need to have almost an extra two ovals a week, every week for the next decade, to be able to accommodate a million registered participants. Tell me about the different types of the game. As I note here, one of the points is you're going to roll out modified versions of the game to attract 
new markets, including diverse communities. What may that look like, Rob? Yeah, you know, there's a bit of there's a bit of we've got to walk and chew gum a bit around. We want to make sure our traditional format strong. There's Auskick, which is a new product we've put into the market, which is a, a bridge between Auskick and Juniors. Sorry, the Superkick bridge between Auskick and Juniors. There's Nines. I actually don't think Kane. We exactly know what precisely mm. the design and the format is today, but we need to commit to innovating. We need to understand what's working well um, internationally, what's working well in other sports. We're getting global participation trends of people telling us they are as attracted to events as they are competitions now. And we also want to make sure that for diverse communities, coming straight into the mainstream version of our game can be quite intimidating. And so we want to make sure we've got some stepping stones that you still get that real footy fix. It doesn't. It's that not that much of a departure that you feel like you're playing a completely foreign game, but it does need to have an, a, an ability to accommodate all people. Mm. I mean, those executives from the AFL have done extensive travel and, and flag football is coming into the Olympics. So that there are examples of it. And you mentioned Nines is a terrific game to play. It's it's a lot of fun, but I'm not sure it's quite caught on. There's AFLX. So I'm sure you'll come up with something. Um, Rob, tell me about um, the reaction to this from, from community level because our text machine lights up and, and Buck's sort of hit on it. But there's a few sceptics out there going, oh, we won't, we won't see a dollar of this. What do you say to those people that are sending those text messages in this morning? Well, the the, the first thing I'd, I'd say to them is I'd rather have this opportunity than not, for a start. So I'd rather have a billion dollars available to us to invest over the next 10 years with a goal of a, of a million. And then I completely understand, you touched on it earlier about my experience in community footy. I still live in a small country town. I get how people would be curious about how that's going to help my club, my league, my region in the next footy season or two. So our... our Real focus here is making sure we've got local people representing those clubs and leagues and we're investing in those as well as investing in the growth. The mm. really, really powerful part of this announcement is we can actually do both now, whereas previously we've, we've had to make choice between one or the other. And for me, we can actually do both and we can help people right around the country that are playing footy every week and we can also plan for a, a brighter, bigger, better future. Well, it's hard to be critical of, of anything that you've said, there's the flow on challenges that come with it. Like, like I think of umpires and volunteers and coaches, no doubt you would have thought about all of that, but particularly umpires, a lot of our elite AFL umpires are, are well into their forties now, Rob, and I'm concerned about the lack of talent coming through with umpiring. So what are you going to do in that space as well? Umpires, coaches, volunteers are quite often the forgotten cohorts when you talk about increasing numbers in the game. So, we started on our on our rebuilding of umpire numbers back at the end of uh, 2022. We've got a lot of work to do to make that an attractive part. I think part of it is creating really clear pathways. Um, I, I think our AFL and AFLW lists will take care of themselves if we can make it um, community mm. football umpiring better. There, there is a bit of responsibility though, Kane, and just on the environments that umpires come into. And I, and I think we all need to own that a bit. We've got to own making sure that it's a... It's a fun thing to do. And if your match day experience is less than that, then you know, it's a bit hard to retain. So I think we've all mm. got a responsibility to help grow the umpiring numbers. How close, um, obviously, if you're planning this 10 years out, you'd be, obviously, the left hand needs to talk to the right hand. So what you want football to look like at the top level or what you want football to become. So the concussion issue, um, rules of the game, um, you know, laws, et cetera, that, that would have to be a, 
something that you would be considering in terms of ground size and what you're actually providing in terms of this grassroots development and the and the investment in it? I think that's the beauty of the way that Andrew Dillon set up the executive with Laura Kane and I, and I work closely with Laura and her team. I do, I do, I'm a little bit um, less committed to that at the entry level. I think we're going to make mm. it fun for boys and girls first and foremost. We're going to yep. make it a really enjoyable experience for parents, households. And then as you as you walk your way through, you're quite right, Nathan, in that as it gets to 14, 15, 16, those formats and pathways need to start to mirror the elite game. But I, I, but I... I just don't want us to fall into the trap of going after that outcome too early. Mm-hmm. I think six to 10 year old juniors is really, really critical for us post COVID. And I don't feel that they need to do anything other than come and enjoy themselves whenever they choose to kick a foot. Uh, j- just that. one final one for me, Robin, not, not related to this, but the update on Tassie, I mean, I, I think we've been a little bit fatigued by it because the information seems to change and, a lot of it is politically related, of course, but from the AFL's um, standpoint, where is it at? Well, I think we've been, um, what I think, we've been incredibly consistent. Um, Andrew, uh, Dylan, our CEO, has been um, repetitive, if not if not anything else on this. It's the licence in a 23,000 roof stadium uh, where we are in our conversation with the Tasmanian government. We haven't um, deviated from that from day one, and we don't intend to. So I think the the process is continuing, but the conditions are clear and known. And so from if I then bring that back to my portfolio, which is game development, this is the most one of the most colossal announcements for Tassie footy in its history. Mm. And you know, the growth and the energy and how it's reinvigorated footy down there already, and they haven't even bounced a ball yet, is incredible. So yeah, we'll put our shoulder to that wheel, and the rest of the process will, will sort of continue to work through. Rob, thanks so much for your time. No problem at all. Rob Ald there, the AFL General Manager of Game Development. A billion dollars across the next decade. Look, it's bold, it's ambitious, as he has said. And we want to speak to you. I mean, what what does your club need? What what challenges are you facing? And how could you use some of this cash that is set to be splashed over the next 10 years? Let us know. Join in the conversation, 1300 736 736. Oh, you can get involved as always, um, Rob Ald there, with a bit of cash to splash bucks and a bit of responsibility with it. Well, 100 mil a year for 10 years, so that that's what a billion is. So 100 million <laughs> this year, 100 million next year, I, I'd expect. Look, that's a big responsibility. He sounded like very clear in, in what their um, ambition is to roll out, but I suppose if you take the last 10 years or 20 years as a guide, grassroots footy has fallen behind the the, the top level yeah. uh, of what we see and and it's and country footy's you know so a, how much is a billion 10 1000 million is a billion so yeah, so he's got 100 million every year for the next 10 years <laughs> i presume he doesn't have that all at once it's still got to be earned some of that but um i hate the cash now <laughs> <laughs> cash no cash um well it goes to show how much cash the game is generating they announced their profit in recent times the AFL and um, going pretty well as you can imagine and that's that has to filter back through and that we always and often speak about this it's a great topic for our audience because so many of our audience are involved with community footy at some level either a parent volunteer player whatever it is it affects a lot of people that listen um, to this to this program. Well, the AFL are they, they are about how how can they increase their revenue, and they're trying to. Uh, part of this investment would be to increase their own 
revenue base to then feed back into grassroots. I, I think that cycle seems to have been missed over the last 10 to 20 years. There's lots of country clubs that have just gone, uh, that have gone under because they haven't been able to, yeah, I suppose, reach the level to be able to pay their staff or their players or to be able to operate. Um, and they ro- still rely so heavily on, on local sponsorship and investment. Um, but, yeah, that, the, I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there, especially in the heartland areas, that would be saying the AFL could do more for us. Hopefully they see the, the fruits of, of this, um, this program in the next you know, five, ten years. Yeah, and earlier on in the program, if you're just joining us, we discussed Clayton Oliver, who's returned to training yesterday, and the comments we listened to from assistant coach Troy Chaplin. Dane has chimed in on, on Twitter. He said, did Troy Chaplin have a brain malfunction yesterday in his post-match media conference? Why he'd ramble about Oliver the way that he did and create even more stories with that headline adding more fuel to the fire was silly and unnecessary for Clary. If you missed that, you can catch up on our discussion via the podcast. The team that they played was Richmond. One of their assistant coaches is David Teague. Tigers fans, footy fans, he's going to join us to wrap up their performance yesterday next. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop to the shindig. The Tigers got it done yesterday in a very long preseason game against Melbourne that lasted for seven quarters. Of course, some other players got opportunities after the first four quarters, which Richmond won. To tell us about it is one of their assistant coaches, uh, David Teague's his name. Teague, thanks for your time. Uh, absolute pleasure. What impressed you yesterday? Oh, look, uh, it was probably the intent. Uh, first time you play a few practice games against yourself and... Uh, it's always a challenge, um, so getting to play against real opposition, but it was the way the guys really uh, attacked it, their intent. I thought our pressure, up, particularly on the ball, it was a scrappy game, which uh, which is normal in a, in a first hit out, but uh, the guys, uh, they connected well. They uh, seemed to have fun and play with energy, and that was probably the most pleasing thing. Teague, you're running the, the front six. Uh, do you want Noel Bolter there for the, for the front half of the year at least? Yeah, absolutely. He was probably uh, one of our better players yesterday, along with Shay. We had lots of good players, but uh, against Stephen May and uh, quality opposition, he uh, he gave us a really good contest down the line and allowed our small forwards to get into the game. So his pre-season's been really strong. Uh, he's probably in as fit as he's ever been, so we're looking forward to him to continue to grow as a player and a person. His, uh, his leadership and uh, that side of things is going to be important because they're pretty young down there with Tom Lynch out. It's a bit early for a question like this, but does it does it signal that maybe Tom Lynch is going to be a little bit longer than, than expected or can they all fit in? Uh, no, they can all fit in. So, uh, no, we uh, we hope Tom will be up and going. I think uh, he's doubtful mm. for round zero now. Um, but we're hoping he'll be going pretty soon after that. But, uh, no, I think they can all play together, obviously, uh, you need to have someone on the bench. We feel Noah and uh, Jacob Kaczynski can both play in the ruck as well. Um, so uh, they can chop out in the ruck and uh, with Tom down there. And if he's coming off a limited preseason, a little bit less game time wouldn't hurt him. He normally plays really high game time. But uh, we feel we can manage those guys if we can keep the pressure on at ground level. We've spoken a bit about uh, the management of, of your group and when you have your full complement, um, who knows where you can get to. But that's been a real challenge for you probably over the last two to three, four years, to be honest. How is it to manage the likes of Prestia and Grimes and Lynch and Gibkiss and Nan Curvis and even Dustin Martin's had some hammy issues to a lesser extent? What is that balance like between high performance and coaching at Richmond? 
Yeah, look, it's a real challenge, particularly when you, you bring a new coach in and yet you, you want to get some uh, some chemistry and stability amongst the playing group. But, uh, yeah, look, it's a, it's a long season and you, you need to balance that out. And obviously you're looking at those guys, they're fairly experienced guys. But uh, what uh, we got yesterday was an opportunity to see a few different guys as well. Some of the younger guys probably may not have got a game if uh, those guys and like Thompson Dow really stood up and probably our, our main on baller with, with Jacob Hopper and... Um, down in the back line, Tom Brown got an opportunity, Josh Gibb, because uh, we've got some younger guys getting opportunities while those guys are out. But I think a lot of those guys will return for our uh, Charity Shield match next week against Collingwood. Reflecting um, or changing tack a little, mate, and, and reflecting on the last 12 months, you're, you're an experienced coach. You've been a senior coach in, in and you've uh, been in plenty of different environments. How do you rate Richmond as a football club and how they managed a changeover from obviously a very successful coach to an incumbent in uh, in Mini McGualter and now to have Adam there as senior coach. How, what, how did you feel through that um, transition? Yeah, look, it was a, it was a really interesting one. Uh, I've been at a couple of clubs where they've changed coaches, but probably in a different scenario where, rather than the coach saying, oh, I'm, I'm just burnt out at the moment. So, um, I think uh, what Richmond do really well is, is the club's bigger than any individual and they, they keep putting um, the club first. And I think the leadership and the stability in the leadership from Brendan down to uh, to Tim Livingston and Blair Hartley from a football um, point of view, um, those guys stood up really well. Um, the ability to stay calm, uh, assess the situation and then just move forward in what they thought was the right direction um, I thought they just handled it really, really well. They they didn't jump. Uh, they didn't get too too panicky or what's going to happen, what's next. They just processed it really well. They took a deep breath and uh, came up with a really strong plan. And I think they've uh, the management side have, have handled it really well. And the impact on the players, obviously a fairly experienced group. Um, do you see the stimulation in this preseason? Is there enough there for you to think that um, you, know, you can really pop quickly? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's uh, like a little bit of a change. Uh, and uh, Dimo was doing a brilliant job, don't get me wrong. But just uh, a new coach, all of a sudden these older, experienced guys, they've got to impress them. It, it gives them a new energy, um, a new challenge. Uh, look, there'll be some little role changes like you talked about, Noah going forward, which he did. he's done before in the past. But there'll be some other guys just getting a new opportunity and just that freshness of uh, point of view of the senior coach. He, he probably comes in with a clean slate for everyone and... Uh, I think that gives uh, particularly certain guys lots of energy to, to go out and prove well, which then picks up your training, which hopefully then will pick up your performance. And then if you can continue to play with the energy we did yesterday, that'll, that'll allow the group to, uh, to perform at their best. So opening round Saturday, March 9 against the Suns, then five days later, round one. Uh, it's a challenge. Yeah, look, it is. Um, I think uh, the AFL industry is better prepared for it than in the past off the back of the the uh, the hub and the COVID in the the short turnarounds, but it, it's always a challenge. Uh, like we're playing Carlton, or coming, I think, off six days, or or maybe even similar. Mm. They might be five days, not sorry, five or six. So it's it's not like one team's fresh and the other team's coming off a shorter break. So yeah, what you got to do is look at what you can control. Um, you'll probably review your first game pretty quickly against uh, the Gold Coast, and then uh, move on. Uh, and get ready for for the uh, the Carlton game, which obviously is an exciting game. Uh, Normally the season opener, but not this year. But uh, the fans and two big, two big Melbourne clubs coming together. Um, look, it's an exciting game. But uh, 
Oh, no, it's one of those ones right now. Uh, there's lots of guys that are putting their hands up as coaches. We don't know what, what the team's going to look like quite yet. There's some um, some opportunities to, for players to grab, and they're all trying to impress, which is uh, which is really enjoyable to be part of. So I'm a Richmond supporter, Teague. We're a month or two into the season. What does Adam Uze's Richmond look like um, you know, in comparison to, to where they've been the last decade? What, what, are, what are his non-negotiables on field? Yeah, uh, in terms of uh, the game style, it's it's pretty similar. Um, we want to play a front half game. Lots of the good teams now. That's that's the trend. We want to get the ball in our front half and, and pin it in the front half. Um, we probably identify we need to to probably limit our turnovers deep out of our back fifty. We 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 caused uh, we allowed too many turnovers last year, which we got scored against. If we can just sort of minimise that, but once we get up the field looking to be uh, probably a little bit more aggressive and attacking and get that ball in our front half. And then um, who's coming from Melbourne? You, we've seen how they have been able to defend their front half and keep the ball in their in their area. And that's something, uh, from a system point of view, that's not too different. But the way we've educated and trained, there's been some slight tweaks and hopefully the energy of the players. I, I think with a new coach, you want to see energy. You want to see them all um, connecting. And uh, that was a great sign yesterday because I thought that was probably our, our best part of our game. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your time and your wrap this morning. No, not a problem at all. I hope we get all our fans out to, uh, to uh, what is it now? I think Icon Park for, against Collingwood for uh, a, yeah, our charity shield game, which uh, goes yep. to the food bank and uh, all that support will be uh, really appreciated for, for the families that are struggling a little bit in Victoria. Well done, so the Tigers taking on Collingwood in the Amy Community Series on Tuesday, Feb 27. By attending the charity shield match, you'll be supporting the fundraising efforts towards food bank to help provide food relief for Victorian families. Uh, David Teague, our guest.